Predicting crime before it happens? UChicago says it has an algorithm for that. The technology also shows bias in police response. And I'll talk with Cranes contributor David Manilow about upcoming summer food festivals. You have your margarita festival, you got your pizza festival, you have the Illinois Hot Sauce Expo in Joliet. Ooh, that's my love language right there. Really? Well, you should find a way to get out to Joliet. I'm Amy Guth, and this is Cranes Daily Gist for Wednesday, July 6th. When it comes to a professional like your doctor or lawyer, you want someone who knows you well. Wintrust believes you should have the same relationship with your banker, someone you can call directly and know they'll understand your concerns. Thousands of local business owners called their Wintrust banker when they needed Paycheck Protection Program loans. They called, Wintrust answered, and helped more than 11,000 local businesses secure funding. Learn more at Wintrust.com slash Daily Gist. Member FDIC. David Manilow is back for our weekly conversation about the food world and the challenges of the service industry. But you know what? We're right here in the middle of summer, so today the plan is to talk about food festivals. Absolutely. July really begins the food festival season. And of course, the granddaddy of all food festivals is coming up this weekend, Taste of Chicago, July 8th through 10th at Grand Park. Now, they did something different this year. They had three neighborhood pop-ups before the Taste. They had a pop-up in Austin, one in Pullman, one in Little Village. And then they're calling this Taste of Chicago in Grand Park um, a bite-sized version of the normal taste of Chicago. That's interesting. Yes. So they have 30 vendors and um, they have some uh, good music. Uh, Drive by truckers are performing. Nelly is performing. Okay. So uh, when I'm with my boo, I might take her to see some Nelly and um, eat some uh, original rainbow cone or Harry's Gulf shrimp or some Josephine's cooking or some churros or something. Uh, at Taste of Chicago, but uh, it's at actually at Buckingham Fountain this year as well. So a little bit of different stuff. Now I will say this: um, I'm a little I'm a little depressed if if I do happen to go because my favorite thing on the um, Taste of Chicago menu is not going to be appearing this year. It appears most years that would be the giant barbecue turkey leg. Oh, <laughs> I think you have to go to a Ren Fair for that now. <laughs> I don't know, but you know, it has. A, it, I did a little research. It has a long history. You know, the taste started in 1980, but the turkey leg debuted in 1996 by the owner of Great Godfrey Daniels out of Skokie, which no longer exists. So when that closed, he then teamed up with other people, including Manny's. And including Miller's Pub. And so they, with him consulting, the owner of Great Godfrey Daniels, um, kept it going. But it's not there this year. And, it's, you know, to me, it's not that I really get the giant barbecue turkey leg every time I go. But it's the option that you can. It's that you have the option. <laughs> I just like seeing the people eat the giant turkey sure. leg. Yeah. It could, it could be a five-year-old. I don't care. I just like what is happening here. They're eating it. Where else? I mean, maybe other festivals or whatever. Where else are you just to say, yeah, you know what I feel like today? A giant barbecued turkey leg. And it's like, <laughs> so, so I will miss. Hopefully they'll have it back. 
But that's interesting, though, to have it kind of decentralized a little bit and bring people into other neighborhoods and not just a huge crowd of people there near Grant Park. I think it, that's exactly what they did. And they did interesting neighborhoods. I mean, they did, you know, Austin, Austin Little Village and, and Pullman, which is way south. Yeah. So uh, I don't know if they're going to continue that or not. And I think part of this was obviously they're still coming up, uh, out of the pandemic and it's uh, maybe in between, but, um, you know, it's it's an icon, iconic part of Chicago and, um, you know, if you have never been, you should absolutely go this year, next year, some year. You got to do it once to say you've done it, at I least. Do you yeah. think you do? Yeah. After that, there's some uh, interesting beer festivals coming up. There's the Naperville Ale Fest, Saturday, July 9th. 150 craft beers, as well as food, food trucks. And then there's a Horner Park, the Horner Brew Fest. Horner Park is between Montrose and Irving Park, just west of Lincoln Avenue. They're going to have uh, dozens of beers. They also have food trucks. They have El Patron, which I love El Patron's tacos, and Fat Shallot. Fat Shallot does kind of gourmet sandwiches, and they started as a uh, food truck, and now they actually have a brick-and-mortar place on Clark Street. So that should be interesting. Then you've got the 15th uh, annual Roscoe Village Burger Fest from July 15th to the 17th in Roscoe Village. They kind of have a thing. They have a, they, they have a contest each year. They have a judges panel for the best burger, and it's usually neighborhood burger places. And then they have kind of, um, you can vote. And I will say that um, my brother's restaurant, John's Place, shout out to John, in Roscoe Village, has won the best burger at Roscoe Village Burger Fest before. So, oh, yes, very so, nice. So. Very nice. I feel like Roscoe Village has a festival related to food or drinking every single weekend. I, I was thinking the same thing. It's funny you say that because it, they have retro on Roscoe. They have all these things. And I think it's it, they, they are. They, they, their neighborhood association must be very festival forward because it's constantly that street is constantly being blocked off. I can tell you that. Um, and now let's let's talk about some tacos. Yes. You've got the you've got the tacos to eat tamales fest in Pilsen on July 15th, 17th. That sounds like a lot of fun. Definitely. That's something I really I'm like. I'm there it, for that. You know, Right. I could put that on my calendar. There's a taco crawl in Rogers Park uh, th starting at three, three o'clock on Thursday, the 21st. A taco fest in Highwood, which is on the North Shore from July 21st to the 24th. Then you have some longstanding festivals like Taste of Lincoln Avenue, also from the 21st to the 24th, which is between Fullerton and Wrightwood on Lincoln. Then you have a couple of I've never heard of. Um, but by the way, Navy Pier also has a lot of festivals, including um, the Chicago Margarita Festival. Oh, boy. The, I bet there's some good people the, watching. <laughs> I, I just drink your margaritas on. Uh, you can go the weekend of July 23rd. So it's the 23rd, 24th at Navy Pier. The same weekend. Lots going on that weekend. Because the same weekend is the inaugural Chicago Pizza City Fest, which is Steve Delinsky, longtime oh, yeah. media food person. Um, it, they have all-you-can-eat pizza from 18 vendors. They have special educational seminars. Uh, if you like gluten, that's your, that's your spot. <laughs> if you don't, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not. I, I will say one thing. I'm going to digress for a second. I don't eat. I don't go out and eat that much pizza anymore because I've had. I have four kids. And you just have had a lot of pizza in your life if you had four kids. But one of my kids did have a birthday last week, and we did order pizza from Lou Malnati's, which is easy. And I was looking for maybe they had a cauliflower crust. Maybe they had a cauliflower crust pizza, which they did not. But they do. Do you know that they have a crustless sausage pizza? How does that work? What does it sit on? <laughs> it doesn't sit on anything other than mass amounts of sausage. Oh, which I ordered because I figured, like, I'll check that out. And 
I liked it. I, I don't know. Well, I'm not sure it was a fan favorite, but the next day I made some really good spaghetti with tomato sauce, some onion, some garlic, and chopped up crustless Lou Malinati sausage pizza. Really good. Yeah, I can see that. It that seems really, totally really reasonable good. to me. <laughs> right? So I did, I got something out of that, which was, um, which was great. Oh, also, uh, same day as the um, 23rd and 24th, you have your Margarita Festival, you got your Pizza Fest, you have the Illinois Hot Sauce Expo in Joliet. Ooh, that's my love language right there. Really? Well, you should find yourself, find a way to get out to Joliet. Get thee to Joliet. Yes, <laughs> Joliet. I, I have been to a two-year-old's birthday party at the Chuck E. Cheese in Joliet. So if if I can do that, you can go out <laughs> and go to the Hot Sauce Expo in Joliet without a problem. That's what I'm saying. That sounds really interesting. I have been to a Hot Sauce Expo out of state before, but I've never been to one here. And it was fascinating. But what's, what's going on? I've never been to a hot sauce. Expo. I, I went to one in Albuquerque, and it was a huge convention center filled with hot sauce vendors. It was a great time. You walk around, and you just have like a little tiny bite of whatever food they've picked out with their offerings of hot sauce. And it's a fun time. Everybody's, you know, it's hot sauce. It's not that serious. Right. Like, it, nobody was like a snob about it. Everybody was there to have a fun time. It was really lovely. And hot sauces all have great names, right? They, the, oh, they're the hysterical. Name, yeah. the, they're one after the next. They're they're like ass-kicking names of right. some kind. They <laughs> There's just a lot are. of donkeys on hot sauce labels <laughs> kicking back, kicking a person. Yeah. Really? Yeah. A lot of skull and crossbones. Yes. A lot of deathy looking stuff. Yeah. Have you seen the hot ones on YouTube? Have you ever seen that? I love that. Right. It's, I, I aspire to be famous enough to be on that show eventually. And he's from here. The host is from Chicago. Is, yeah. I know. It's yeah. um, the if, if uh, I just put this as an aside, if you have not seen the Paul Rudd one. I, it's so funny. It's the funniest <laughs> thing ever. It's, a very good <laughs> it's one. on my regular rotation of watching just things that make me smile. So, uh, yeah. That's, that's a good show. Yes. Yeah, so uh, lots going on. More coming up in August and September. Big ones, small ones. It's great that um, the festivals are coming back and I think they'll be well attended. People want to be out. And we got a lot to offer. And there's a lot of you can kind of crisscross uh, the city and go to a bunch of neighborhoods and, um, you know, enjoy and eat your way. Oh, and a lot of these a lot of these festivals have um, music as well. Yes, definitely. What What is your strategy for tackling a festival when you go to a food festival? Do you kind of wander or do you have you go in with a plan? No, I have no plan. And you know what? The ones I don't like, to be honest with you, and I, I think because I'm, I'm a little bit of a purist, I don't like it when there's the kind of same vendors that you see at the same festivals over and over again. Now, you're not going to see one like at the Tacos y Tamales sure, one in Pilsen, sure. but they, they're they just doing that. They're on a rotation. I like when there's something kind of like genuine to the neighborhood or genuine mm -hmm. to the to whatever to the, the theme of the, is yeah. about the theme yeah. yeah so if it's a ribs fest you know clearly you're going to get the places so i like that i have never been to a um like a, a brew fest that sounds interesting yeah so yeah definitely I've, I've been i do like i do like diverse offerings so i'm i, I just like a, I, i'm like an equal opportunity eater so mm -hmm. i'll eat anything <laughs> so i don't I, so i would probably i would probably tilt towards a festival that has lots of different stuff even even like the tacos and tamales you could probably get a lot of different types of tacos yeah. and different types of tamales so i'm okay with that sure but um you know one note uh, you know i get in and out i guess yeah sure sure yeah. certainly all right well i'm sure we're all going to cross paths at <laughs> we'll all cross paths at all these festivals because it seems like there's so many <laughs> thanks so much david 
Coming up, could a $1 billion biomedical research center come to Chicago? In a letter to HHS, Illinois lawmakers ask the agency to consider the Chicago area for the new medical project. We'll talk about that and more right after this. Here's a great way to stay in touch with Crane's Daily Gist. Subscribe to the Crane's Morning 10. It's our daily newsletter featuring the 10 biggest stories of the day. To subscribe, visit chicagobusiness.com slash morning 10. This is the Crane's Daily Gist with Amy Guth. University of Chicago scientists have developed an algorithm they say predicts crime one week in advance using data from Chicago and seven other U.S. cities. The technology, they say, also points to instances where bias in police response can occur. Crane's Trina Menino reported that Nature Human Behavior, a peer-reviewed journal, recently published a study that details an algorithm that has an almost 90% accuracy rate when predicting crime. In the study, Menino noted, the research team say they're overly cautious of the technology's real-world implications. They write, quote, Crime prediction and predictive policing have stirred controversy, with the latest AI-based algorithms producing limited insight into the social system of crime. Here we show that while predictive models may enhance state power through criminal surveillance, they also enable surveillance of the state by tracing systemic biases in crime enforcement. The researchers took crime data from open-source databases in several cities. Manino noted in her reporting that in Chicago, for example, the model used almost 443,000 violent and property crime events found on the city's data portal. By using the past crime data, including the geographical coordinates and time of the events, the model was able to predict with 90% accuracy within one week before a crime occurred within 1,000 feet. Manino reported that the researchers then used the same model to simulate different crime patterns. Using the model that way, the researchers discovered that when there was an uptick in crime in Chicago neighborhoods during the same time period, the police department responded differently in more affluent areas like Lakeview and Lincoln Park, compared to less affluent areas, including many on the city's south and west sides. The model revealed that crime in higher socioeconomic areas also resulted in more arrests while arrests in historically disinvested neighborhoods dropped. The model also pointed to a pattern that crime in more impoverished neighborhoods didn't lead to more arrests, which may suggest what was described as bias in police response and enforcement, according to the study. Find more detail on this story, as well as many others, at chicagobusiness.com. Advocate Aurora Health and Rush University System for Health have joined about 60 other health organizations in committing to cutting their greenhouse gas emissions in half by 2030 and to achieve net zero emissions by 2050. The Healthcare Sector Climate Pledge, made through the White House and the Department of Health and Human Services, was launched on April 22nd, Earth Day. The White House said in a statement that the healthcare sector accounts for about 8.5% of U.S. emissions. Crane's John Asplund reported that Advocate Aurora and Rush both see the emissions reduction effort as more than a sustainability effort, saying it's also about both economic and health equity. Advocate Aurora Health President and CEO Jim Skogsberg said in a statement, quote, Climate change not only represents one of the greatest public health threats of the 21st century, but also disproportionately hurts economically disadvantaged communities. Dr. Omar Latif, President and CEO of Rush, said in a statement, quote, The conditions in which people are born, live, and work determine their health far more than biology or behavior. Continuing, and just as the COVID pandemic illustrated how communities like those on Chicago 
Chicago's west side are disproportionately impacted by this preventable illness, we know that the health impacts of climate change are not equally distributed across our country. Asplund reported that to get to net zero, Rush says its first goal is to achieve 100% renewable electricity by 2030, cutting some emissions by at least 60%. Rush's statement said that for the next 20 years, the system will employ strategies including energy efficiency projects, fleet electrification, waste reduction, and supply chain collaborations to reduce emissions. Advocate Aurora plans to meet the pledge goals using renewable energy and energy efficiency tactics at its more than 500 care sites, as well as, quote, through efforts in purchased goods and services, waste streams, investments, transportation and travel, and more. Other Chicago-area signatories to the pledge include Common Spirit Health, headquartered in Chicago, and the Westchester-based Joint Commission. William Bo Wrigley Jr., who's already facing lawsuits over dreams of a marijuana company IPO that didn't materialize, is fighting a request for arbitration in a deal to buy a half dozen Chicago-area marijuana shops that also fell apart. Crane's John Pletz reported that Wrigley, who resigned last year as CEO of Atlanta-based marijuana company Parallel, filed suit in federal court in Chicago recently, asking a judge to declare that he shouldn't be included in arbitration over the failed deal by Parallel to buy six stores under the Windy City cannabis brand for $100 million. Pletz also noted in his reporting that the deal has been in limbo for more than a year. Since then, the market for cannabis stocks has dropped off, pushing down the value of marijuana businesses. The state has also held lotteries to issue 185 new dispensary licenses, further undercutting the value of marijuana shops. And Windy City Cannabis is not the first marijuana deal to blow up, underscoring the nature of a young and fast-moving industry where entrepreneurs have both made and lost fortunes. Pharmacan, one of the four big multi-state marijuana companies based in Chicago, planned to sell to MedMen for $682 million in 2018, but the deal fell apart. Verano Holdings' deal in 2019 to sell to Phoenix-based Harvest Health and Recreation for $850 million also came undone, Pletz notes. Verano later went public, but Pharmacan has struggled to keep up with Chicago-based peers, such as Green Thumb Industries and Cresco Labs, which are among the largest players in the industry. But as Pletz reported, Windy City was an even bigger prize. After two waves of consolidation, Windy City is one of the few remaining companies in Illinois Illinois with multiple licenses that could give an acquirer the ability to enter the Illinois market with enough scale to compete with Cresco, GTI, Verano, and others who hold the maximum 10 retail licenses that are allowed by law. But Windy City's deal, which was supposed to close in April, is still up in the air. Parallel hasn't come up with the money to complete the deal, nor has it been able to get approval from state regulators to transfer the retail licenses. As Pletz reported, one of the challenges, according to a related lawsuit filed in Cook County Circuit Court, is the ownership by Wrigley, who was CEO of Chicago-based Wrigley Company until its 2008 sale to Mars for $23 billion, who then moved to Florida and got into the weed business in 2017. Although he's no longer CEO, he is the largest shareholder in parallel, according to the litigation. However, the ownership stake involves at least one trust, something that's prohibited by state regulations. Wrigley, who was the subject of a Forbes profile just two months before announcing the Wendy City deal, was the face of the company until November, when he resigned as CEO. 
And now, as Pletz noted in his reporting, Wrigley is trying to distance himself. In the federal court filing, Wrigley said he was not a party or signatory to the purchase agreement for the Windy City stores and did not act as an agent to Parallel or a related company. John Pletz has this story in detail at chicagobusiness.com. A group of Illinois lawmakers led by Senator Tammy Duckworth are working to lure a new $1 billion federal medical research project to Chicago by promoting the city's bench of healthcare talent and its affordability. Crane's healthcare reporter Catherine Davis reported that the Advanced Research Projects Agency for Health, or ARPA-H, was proposed by President Biden in this year's federal budget as a component of the National Institutes of Health, a division of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. ARPA-H will be tasked with developing high-risk and high-reward biomedical breakthroughs that ideally would provide transformative cures and treatments for cancer, ALS, and other diseases. President Biden has asked Congress to approve $6.5 billion over three years for ARPA-H. So far, about a billion has been appropriated, and as Davis noted in her reporting, Duckworth and Illinois Senator Dick Durbin, among other members of Congress from Illinois, sent a letter Thursday to HHS making the case for putting the new center in Chicago as the agency works to decide where to call home. If ARPA-H were to come here, it would join two other federal research and medical labs in the state— Fermilab in Batavia and Argonne National Lab in Lamont. In their letter, lawmakers touted the region's research and development concentration, adding that Chicago researchers received $1.1 billion in funding from the NIH in 2021, which was a 38% increase from 2017. The letter also notes that the Chicago area is home to 12 research universities that foster a talent pipeline of more than 500,000 students. In 2020, Chicago area institutions awarded nearly 24,000 STEM degrees. Find more detail from Crane's healthcare reporter Catherine Davis on this and many other stories at chicagobusiness.com. That's Crane's Daily just for now. Check in on our continuous news feed at chicagobusiness.com. Thanks so much to today's guest, Crane's contributor, David Manilow. You can follow all of our conversations on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your audio on demand. Don't forget to subscribe and please rate and review Crane's Daily Gist. Our show is produced by Todd Manley at Earsight Studios. I'm Amy Guth. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll meet you right back here next time.